Valancy had walked out to Roaring Abel's house on the Mistowis Road under a sky of purple and amber, with a queer exhilaration and expectancy in her heart. Back there, behind her, her mother and cousin Stickles were crying, over themselves, not over her. But here the wind was in her face, soft, dew-wet, cool, blowing along the grassy roads. Oh, she loved the wind. The robins were whistling sleepily in the firs along the way, and the moist air was fragrant with the tang of balsam. Big cars went purring past in the violet dusk. The stream of summer tourists to Muskoka had already begun, but Valency did not envy any of their occupants. Muskoka cottages might be charming, but beyond, in the sunset skies, among the spires of the firs, her blue castle towered. She brushed the old years and habits and inhibitions away from her like dead leaves. She would not be littered with them. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lindsay. And welcome to our first episode. Wait, we have a... Yes. All right. So um, before we get into talking about our first book in Mm -hmm. our first series, so... We'll, we'll just talk about how we're going to, how it's going to work. <laughs> First of all, it's going to be about a book. It's going to be about a book. Each gonna, episode's going to be yeah. about a book. It's going to be about a book in all the gory detail. Yep. So spoilers abound. Mm-hmm. Hold uh, on. We have a spoiler sound effect for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just know we're going to probably forget to push that a lot, but there's yeah. going to be spoilers. We would really love it if you actually have read any of the books beforehand because we're really going to do a deep dive. So it's like better. It's like reading a movie review after you've seen the movie. Right. Are we just right now telling people not to stop listening to our podcast? (laughs) We are. But just a pause, not a full stop. Just a pause. It's a PSA. That's right. Go read it. We don't do any books that aren't awesome. Yeah. Uh, And so each uh, series uh, will focus on the theme. So Mm -hmm. for our first season, our theme is castles. Castles. And just a bit about this theme. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't set out to do a castle theme. It just happened. It just happened because we were talking about doing this podcast and we thought, what are a bunch of books we'd like to cover? And it just so happened that a bunch of them had the word castle in the title. So we decided our first season would be books with the word castle in the title. They are by no means books about castles or featuring castles even. Some of them do. But um, they have the word castle in the title. Yeah, they do. So this was just a way for us to get into doing a podcast. Right. So our first book, I'm just going to go ahead and say, is The Blue Castle by Lucy Bob Montgomery, which we're going to start imminently, I swear. Yeah. Um, So uh, we developed a system which we have the bowl of prompts. Yes. We have so many bowls. This will be used when we are going to unveil a new uh, suggestion of topic from the bowl of prompts. Um, What we like to do more is like a free form kind of talking, but we don't want to miss anything. So we have our bowl of prompts and thus we shall kick it off. So we will now, um, the blue castle by Ellen Montgomery. Let's read the back of the book. All right. I'm going to read the back of my edition, which is a seal book from McClelland Bantam Incorporated. 
the mark of Canadian bestsellers. That's from the back of the book. So it says, If it had not rained on a certain May morning, Valancey Sterling's whole life would have been entirely different. At 29, Valancey had never been in love, and it seemed romance had completely passed her by. Her only consolation were the forbidden books of John Foster and her daydreams of the Blue Castle. All her life, Valancey lived on a quiet little street in an ugly little house, never daring to contradict her overbearing mother and meddlesome aunt. Until the fateful day a letter came from Dr. Trent, and Valancey decided to throw caution to the wind once and for all, dot, dot, dot. For the first time in her life, Valancey said and did exactly what she wanted— Soon she discovered a world full of fine surprises and real adventures that she never knew could exist outside of her secret blue castle. Oh, I would just like to note that the back of this edition that I have, which is a more recent one, has a quote which says it's absolutely hilarious and Valency would be a Twitter superstar. Well, there you have it. That's Valency in a nutshell. Yeah. She would have been a Twitter superstar. Twitter superstar. Yeah. Yeah. I guess she's quippy. She's quippy. But what yeah. about Lucy Maud? So let's talk about her. Okay, yeah. Lucy Maud Montgomery, a little bit of context for the book. So Lucy Maud Montgomery was a Canadian iconic writer who probably most people know from Anne of Green Gables, mm-hmm. which is her most famous novel or series of novels. Mm-hmm. Um, she was born in 1874, and she went on to have quite a quite an interesting life certainly an interesting career she um she lived most of her life in prince edward island she loved it very much and most of her books are set there and in fact this book is the only one of her novels that is set outside of prince edward island Hmm. Oh, so this was the only book that wasn't set on the island. Wasn't mm. Jane, of, Jane of Lantern Hill starts in Ontario, does it not? Yes, there, yeah. part of it is in Toronto, but the main feature of the Toronto parts of that book are that how much Jane hates Toronto. So um, it's really when she gets to the island that she's like, life is actually okay. Um, mm. Whereas this book is set in Ontario, which it is... never goes anywhere else. It never goes anywhere else, and it is really evoked with a lot of love, which we'll get into later. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, this book was inspired by a trip, a vacation to Bala, Ontario, a small town in the Muskokas that Lucy Maud Montgomery took in 1922. And she fell in love with the area and uh, the landscape. And she then wrote this book in 1926. Awesome. It was also, I'd like to say, her intended to be a book for adults, which is, again, unusual in her novels that the protagonist is an adult and not a child. Mm-hmm. Most of her protagonists are children, and you, it's, they're more of coming-of-age stories as they grow up. But this book opens when the main character, Valencia, is 29, which is unusual. And because she had had a reputation for being a children's author, a lot of people treated this as a children's book. But then we're like, gasp, <gasps> it talks about an unwed mother. Mm. And it was banned in some places. Banned? Banned. Where? I don't know. Places? <laughs> Bala. Bala. Not in Bala. Bala. Bala knows all about the unwed mother. Maybe in... Bala knows all about the unwed mother. I don't that. know that. Sorry, people in Bala. Not that there's anything wrong with being no, unwed. I, indeed, there is not and never has been. You have been society. an unwed mother I yourself. Have. Shut up. How dare you? Just you said there was nothing wrong with it. Oh, okay. All right. Well... Okay. Let's get to it. Let's get Ready to it. for the bull of 
Let's talk about food in the book. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about food in the book. Uh, Barney is a really helpless. He says that he survived prevalency by boiling a whole bunch of eggs and just eating them. <laughs> like whenever he was hungry, he would eat a boiled egg with maybe, if he was feeling up to it, some tea. I find that very unattractive. Very unattractive. Yeah. Well, I think like this book is all about Valency discovering pleasure. And when Valency mm-hmm. starts to come into herself, particularly at an infamous family dinner, right. she requests more of the food because right. it's more than she's had like or better than she's had in a while right because her family yeah. actually Valency lives so at the beginning of the book Valency lives with her widowed mother and her cousin Stickles and they have um they don't have very much money they're poor no. So their food budget is quite small and it really has to stretch. So they tend to buy things that are, she says at one point, well, they buy beans because beans are cheap and filling. Right. She's allowed like one teaspoon of marmalade on her toast and stuff like that. Yeah. And sometimes like she still feels that they're eyeing up the marmalade like she's taking too much. Right. But she doesn't even like marmalade. No. It's a a horrible thing to wake up and hate your small meager breakfast. I imagine it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when Valency is living on the island, remember there's the scene with like talking about the strawberries mm. and there's the special strawberries in the wood and even picked and taken back home. They're not nearly as good as being savored out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have potatoes that they go and roast over open fire. Mm. And yeah. And Valency is a good cook. She is. Actually, somehow. She's, she's somehow like kind of to herself, like a noted cook, because when she goes to that family dinner, she tells them at the end what they should have put in it. Right. She's like, your salad dressing needs cayenne pepper. (laughs) Which is quite the statement. I don't feel like I've ever had any salad dressing and been like, could I eat some cayenne? On a side note, I feel like the next time I'm invited to a dinner party, that is how I will exit. Yeah. (laughs) But your soup has too much salt and your salad dressing could use a dash of cayenne pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then she also, a notable scene with Cousin Georgiana, where Cousin Georgiana tries to come and get her back from her descent into... Um, what is she descending into? Happiness? Shame? Sh- oh, I went with happiness. Shame. <laughs> to the family, shame. Yes. And yes. she's like, oh, never mind about that, Cousin Georgiana. Can you tell me how to make this fish with... Dish. Yes. The fish with dish. Dish with fish. <laughs> yeah. Dried yeah. codfish or something. Yeah. yeah. Sounds gross. Yeah. Um, it but, does. Yeah. And then yeah. also where I thought you were going with Cousin Georgiana was that she gave her dandelion wine. Oh, right. Homemade dandelion wine. Cousin Georgiana is a good egg. Yeah. We'll get into this later. I like that your compliment is also food. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. It's the theme. All right. Okay. Next. All righty. Next prompt from the prompt bowl funny to start off with food we've got even like no context for anything in the book okay Ooh, character study okay favorite character and why plus honorable mention and bonus you get to pull a card from the random deck of character questions also the deck is a bowl (laughs) oh okay but wait i think you should yeah start with favorite character and why well, I think my favorite character would have to be Valency. Yeah, me I think we'd both agree. Yeah, because the the book is all from her perspective, and yeah. she is very witty. She mm-hmm. is very um, 
not meanly, but cutting. Like she really, mm-hmm. she can, she can kind of strip away what's going on and really nail it with a few well-chosen words. Yeah. Like she yeah. lives in a very hypocritical society and family and she mm-hmm. can see right through that. And yeah. yeah, she's very funny when she gets on that. Yeah. Sort of calling people out for that yeah. hypocrisy. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, my honorable mention will be Uncle Benjamin. Of course. I know you have your love for Uncle Benjamin and his will. <laughs> well, even his like his like third act, like um, you know, character switch as the matchmaker. Where mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, I know how to I know how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Like I've got this on. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And he just becomes like this other and like they even say like twas the day that like Uncle Benjamin became known as a prophet. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Forever after Uncle Benjamin yeah. would be known in the family. Because yeah. he was like, You will come today. <laughs> yeah. And he knows exactly like um what to say to Barney. He does. He's like, he tells Barney that, or he tells Valancy that Barney said he won't go away until he sees her. And it's like, Uncle Benjamin thought Barney was that kind of man. Valancy knew that he was. <laughs> but it's like, how did Uncle Benjamin suddenly like have all this intuition? So much intuition. So much intuition. And then to cap it all off, he's like, mm, I'm just going to rewrite my will here. Like, to those who have shall be given. Which is like, what? But I know, also but, amazing. And also I have, would like to point out that in the past little while, we have been noticing that happening in life because oh, now we're just like, oh, it's just Uncle Benjamin's will all over again. It is. It's very apt. Yeah. It yeah, happens all the time. It happens. Lucy Maud had it. She nailed it. She nailed it. Yeah. Um, but I would like to say to you that Uncle Benjamin, prior to becoming a prophet, um, <laughs> is like a really insufferable relative who just like bullies people and makes jokes at their expense and like riddles and makes balancey who her entire family calls her Doss uh, and he's always like hey Doss what's the difference between an old maid and a something mouse? whatever doesn't he say mouse at some point like um, it's like someone wants a cheese and someone else this well there's one about a mouse and a cheese there's one about a donkey <laughs> I don't know he's got all these horrible riddles they're all insulting to her they're all insulting her and she's the only one he ever he ever asks them to that's like yeah. part one of her roles in the family yeah. oh yeah he's totally horrible okay. I just love him as a character I do love him who's your honorable mention my honorable mention I'm a little bit torn because I think no you know what I'm gonna go with I was gonna say torn between cousin Georgiana but I've already stated she's a good egg there's not much else to say about her so moving on my honorable mention is Doc Redfern oh who is a very blustery very well-meaning but oblivious person who drives a bright purple car and my the thing that really tipped me over the edge in favor of Doc Redfern is when he insists that Valency like takes him over to the Blue Castle Island and so she rows him over in the canoe and then he's like, See this? Cats love me. <laughs> Meanwhile their cats are like, Who is this man? and like giving him the side eye the whole time and he's just like, Yeah, look at this. They'll love me. <laughs> so Doc Redfern is my honorable mention character. Okay. Well right. now for our which character is the most like you? Ooh, this is getting deep. Deep. Oh, geez. It's, this is like of all the books that we could have pulled this question for, this is the book the most filled with like obnoxious, horrible characters. 
There's like actually very few likable characters. Like the ratio here the ratio. is not great. Yeah. So which character is the most like you? Oh god. Well, okay. Okay. So if I <laughs> was misdiagnosed and told I only had a year left to live, yeah. perhaps I could be like Valency. Well, yeah. If not? I didn't fear the consequences. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, because I often, I feel like she, like, I think those things in my head, I just don't say them as she didn't well, before. you sometimes say them. I sometimes say them. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes do. Um... But also, oh, you uh-huh. know, I'm probably more like Barney yeah, like, with his dozen eggs. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're no. more like Barney. Well, the, 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 I don't like conflict. And so, like, I do have a tendency to, like, pull back. And right. Barney has really pulled back from life's disappointments. And I do find I struggle with that. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do. Right. Fair. Mm-hmm. Do I have to answer this too? I think so. Why was this just me? <laughs> you <laughs> lay my soul bare. <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. Hmm. I'm probably the most like cousin Georgiana. <laughs> We've established it's a good egg, so that's fine. She's like constantly worrying about everybody. Oh, and that's you. That is me. Mm-hmm. And she seems a little bit ineffectual, which I'm afraid is also me. She's a good soul. She's a good soul. I yeah. flatter myself that I'm a good soul. You are a good soul. <laughs> but she also, in a very, you know, she goes to um, Valency when no one ever thinks to even send her from the family. Mm-hmm. And instead of the kindness of her heart is worried about Valency. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's very much you. Yeah, because she's not like, oh, no, I have to rescue the family's reputation. She's like, oh, my God, is Valency okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a different motivation yeah. from anybody else in the Sterling family. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Soul bared. All right, next prompt. Ooh. Uncomfortably close. Reading. Uh-oh. An examination of literary techniques in the book. Okie dokie. Well, so one of the things I think is very um, key in this book is all of the nature description. Mm. There is, once Valancy leaves her, her little... Um, Sort of, she so she's grown up in a small community, and she's had a very like narrow life in this shabby house with this very controlling family and overbearing relatives. And then when she finally finds her freedom, because as you say, she thinks she's going to die in a year, mm-hmm. and she sets off on her own, and she ends up exploring the Muskokas with Barney, her one true love. Which is a beautiful landscape, as we know, because we live on the borders of Muskoka ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, there's a lot of really beautiful, beautiful description of the landscape and of the passage of time when she's living on the island. Mm-hmm. And I think that the amount of words and um, the amount of, of space given in the book to those descriptions really lend like a real sense of wonder to them. Cause I think that you really start to like, you, you kind of like stop, you kind of pause right. when I you're do. reading. Yeah. yeah. And you start to visualize and you start to s- 
Yeah, so where if it had just been like, oh, Valency thought it was beautiful. Moving on to the next plot point, yeah. it would not have the same kind of sense of like... She really awe. evokes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you kind of feel that sense too, that Valency is feeling of like this world opening up to mm-hmm. her. Um, so yeah, there's that. Then there's also the... Um like the perspective from which it's written, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. interestingly enough, there's that first paragraph, which talks about balancey, like it, it foreshadows. It does. So it's like yeah. a really interesting thing where it, it starts off with a third person, like omniscient narrator, where it's mm-hmm. like her whole life is going to change. You're going to hear about it. And then it like shifts immediately into like a third person limited where you only see Pretty much what Valancey sees. Yeah. And there are a couple times where it, it breaks out of that again and you see what her family's doing when she's not there. But for the most part, it sticks pretty close to her mm-hmm. after that. But I think we've talked before about how we feel like this third person omniscient beginning is almost like a once upon a time. Yeah. It's a little bit like a fairy tale kind mm-hmm. of technique. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very fairy tale-ish kind of structure, like yeah. an oppressive family, mm-hmm. like the young mm-hmm. woman breaking out yeah. and also like the timeline of like a year, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of like fairy tale-esque things to it right yeah yeah and so then when the ending happens which is like completely implausible happy ending in so many ways yeah it doesn't feel quite as yeah you feel prepared for you feel it prepared for it because you're like i'm reading a fairy tale yeah 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 a beautiful wonderfully written witty mm-hmm. fairy tale that doesn't shy away from like the harder aspects of life right but also is like that's not the story that we're mainly telling right, right. now exactly yeah, yeah. And then there's a couple of other bits about um, some descriptors and some other things that we'll get to that revolve around sex, which we'll come to in a later segment. But that will also have a bit of this uh, element of uh, some some close reading. All right. What's next from the bowl of prompts? This magic moment. Favorite part. Oh, so the family dinner mm-hmm. is one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Valency has very recently received her prognosis of death. Death. Yes. Um, she's been acting oddly, and her mm-hmm. mother, Mrs. Fredericks, mm-hmm. and cousin Stickles have mm-hmm. noticed. Yes. But they take her to a family gathering yes. anyways because they are afraid of what her absence what comment that would incite. Right. And we should also say that they don't know that she's been diagnosed. No, they do not. They have no idea she's even having chest pain, that she's even gone to a doctor. She's kept it all very secret. Yeah. And like, they've only observed some like odd kind of behavior. They're not prepared. No. No. In no way prepared for really anything in life. No. That's just like their general sort of hallmark is that they're not prepared. They're not prepared. They have their routines. Uh, yeah, so they take Valency and Valency gazes around the table and just is like, whoa, <laughs> like I no longer give two fucks, yeah. you know, and just like yeah. does this like amazing like sum up of each of her relatives mm-hmm. with like a fairly like with like a, what's that really sharp sword? Oh, mm. oh no. What a really yeah, sharp like a, sword like is. A, uh, I don't know. I was going for some kind of metaphor there. Anyways, I can't find it. Oh, a sharp sword. 
Yeah. <laughs> I thought you had it for a second. I was like, yeah. no, that's anyways. Um, and kind of just like this really, um, it's quick, but cutting, like mm-hmm. insightful character study yes. in which we learn like some fairly terrible things about some of her relatives. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. her uncle who killed his wife legally. Yeah. Legally. Yeah. By smothering her with everything she didn't want and starving everything she needed. Yeah. 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 What a a hole. What an a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so, don't care for that kind of thing around here. I think the first sign is that she ignores one of Benjamin's like jokes mm-hmm. that are aimed at her mm-hmm. and is just like, you need some new material. Yeah. And yeah. Uncle Benjamin's like, I'm quite put out. <laughs> Sounds exactly like him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, and yeah, I just, I love that whole thing and how she is just like, she causes this huge kerfuffle. Her cousin Olive is like, what is happening? Why is everyone Mm. focused on Valency? And mainly they fight about Barney Snaith. That's right. So her family is all like, Barney Snaith, what a villain. And she's like, uh, do you even know Barney Snaith? And they're like, do you? And she's like, well, I've looked at him and his eyebrows are like this. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all very befuddled mm-hmm. as you should be because okay let me just d- diverge for a moment diverge, to talk yeah. about barney's eyebrows because it describes so barney is like her hero he's like the romantic hero of the novel and he's very wonderful in many ways but his eyebrows are described as one being a circle? Is it a circle? No. No, a triangle. <laughs> no, no, no. What's an straight? And one was an arch. One straight. One is an arch, and one is a triangle. Or one is straight, and one is a triangle. Wait. Wait. <laughs> We're gonna have to look this. We're up. gonna have to look this up because oh. I tell you, it's interesting because Valency actually like she describes him first when she's, I think the day. The day that she goes to the doctor, she walks mm-hmm. by Barney mm-hmm. and she, he gives her this kind of smile. And that night in her day, oh, yes. in her, in her dreams, her man changes to start to look like Barney Snaith. Yep. And so, yes, um, it's so funny because they start talking about Barney at the family dinner mm-hmm. because is it Uncle Henry? Is it Henry? I don't think there is an Uncle Henry. No. I think you made him up. I did. It's Uncle James. Uncle James. Ah, well, Henry and James. Henry James. That's where it is. Yeah. You know what? I'm not a fan. Anyway, let's move on. All right. He's like, let's stop gossiping. And someone's like, well, let's trash on Barney Snaith. And he's like, excellent. Right. So here's what she says. She says, one of his eyebrows is an arch and the other is a triangle. Is that why you think him so villainous? (laughs) (laughs) But... An arch and a triangle. So just pretty similar. So yeah, like, so what's an One of them's just pointier than the other. Yeah. But still, but still. But still. Have you ever, okay, if anyone knows, if anyone with eyebrows like that, can you please send us a photo? I was just thinking. Oh my God. What? (gasps) You know of these eyebrows in life? Well, I was just thinking, because there's a few famous actresses i can think of who one has like an arch like so what beautiful and the other one is like pointed most famously vivian lay or vivian lee vivian lay vivian lee she has one that is an arch and one that is a triangle follow-up question are you only looking at photos of her where she has one eyebrow raised 
Well, it's hard to tell. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing there. Because I feel like this is Barney's resting eyebrow formation. Resting. Well, you know, because she did actually have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it right now. Right now, in real time, this is happening, right. people. So I know it's problematic. I definitely know that. So I'm not in any way like. Mm, yeah. Anyways, but Gone with the Wind when I was a child was my most favorite movie. Okay. And so I have watched that like a million. So you feel times. like you have her I, eyebrows from Gone with the Wind memorized. I, I feel like I have Vivian Lace. Okay. Well, you mm. carry on with that, and I'm gonna move on to my favorite, some of my favorite moments while you're googling okay. Vivian Lee's eyebrows. Um. So my favorite. One of my favorite moments in this book is when um, it's so it's after Valency has and proposed marriage to Barney and he has accepted it of pity and um, it's really hard to concentrate with you making all those faces at your phone <laughs> when you Google Vivian Lee. Anyway, so they are they have moved to his uh, cabin on the island. And it is like her dream come true. It's secluded. It's beautiful. There's cats. There's an owl, etc. Um, and she, there's a part where she wakes up in the night and she's just like reveling in her life. And it's winter time, and she's like snuggled all up warm in mm-hmm. bed. And Barney is beside her, and the cats are purring. And it's so she can see the the glow from the fire in the next room, and she can hear the wind outside the window. And it says something like she considers a night lost when she hasn't woken up just to like revel in her, her happiness. And I love that part in the book. I think that's just a really beautiful moment of just, yeah, Valency's life. And I love Aww, it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you find your eyebrows? I did. It's it's inconclusive. Okay, we're going to post a picture. Other favorite scenes? Any other favorite moments? Um, the the dance? The, and the car. And the car. The dance in the car. It's so magical. Oh. But also problematic. Yes. In some ways. In some ways. For, for, especially, I think, through a modern lens. Well, yes. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is the lens we are reading it through. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As our lens, as it were. As our lens, yeah. So um, Valency buys this really great green dress. Mm-hmm. and Short sleeves, low neck. Roaring Abel, Can you believe it? who she's living with, and his daughter Sissy, who she's taking care of. Mm-hmm. Roaring Abel invites her to the dance. She goes. She's well, I think having, she actually like, invites herself to the dance, doesn't she? I think he's like, you should come. And she's like, why don't I? Right. He's playing the fiddle. He's playing the fiddle. At Chidley Corners. At Chidley Corners. And so she's like, yeah, like I should go. Like, why not? Like, I got this dress. Yeah, I got to like, live it, live it up She decorates herself up with clover red clover red flowers flowers. and um she goes she's at first having a great time Mm -hmm. then a lot more men arrive with the dread alcohol the dread (laughs) the dread pirate alcohol yeah yes (laughs) um and it's as the night is wearing on it's getting later and later yeah and so she started to become aggressed upon because she sees what happens to the girls they're becoming quite disheveled yeah like things are getting rowdy she wants no part of it right men are starting to get annoyed because she won't dance with them and Mm -hmm. they far outnumber the women yes Barney appears. Right. We should say that too that Roaring Abel is like completely oblivious because he's fiddling away, he's fiddling his little heart out. And we don't know if he's oblivious. He just doesn't even featured in that part. Like he's just well, yeah. off playing the fiddle. Off, but she thinks to herself, like, oh no, like I have to stay until the end because he's fiddling. Like 
though it won't be yeah. for hours yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to yeah. like. She never stick considered this that out. in the beginning. Well, no, she didn't realize what. And it, she says later to Barney, she's like, you must think I'm an idiot. She's too but naive. Yeah, like it was just, a, he was like, Chidley Corners, you should have known. And she's like, it was just a name to me. Like, you don't understand the sheltered life I've had. Yeah. So Barney shows up, mm-hmm. rescues her. Rescues her by punching a man. Nothing like a little violence. Yeah. And get the heart pumping. I always think that they do. Now I'm questioning it. Do they jump out a window? They do jump they out a window. They don't really. He sort of like vaults out of a main floor window. Wait, what does that mean? It just means that like he hoists himself up and over. Okay. And then he like, and then he helps her through, I think. Because okay. as a feeble woman, she can't vault herself. Well, she could pole vault. <laughs> and then just smash into the top pane. That seems like a bad idea. Anyways. And he has a car, Lady Jane. Lady Jane, his car, his yeah. old disreputable Tin Lizzie. Yeah, that roars through the town so loud yeah. and is always breaking down. Anyway, yeah. so he takes, she goes in for a ride and she's scared of cars, but mm-hmm. she finds that she loves it. We didn't, we have never even mentioned the time period that this book is set in. Like, it's now. By the way, she's scared of cars. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't be able to read the books. I think it's okay. Okay, yeah, you've all read it. You, you know. all had to read it. But we did say it was written in 1926. Okay. Yeah. We're fine. Let's keep going. Yeah. Anyways, the car runs out of gas. Of course. Because Barney, instead of going to get gas, goes to rescue her because right. time is of the essence. Time is of the essence and he's a nice shining it, tin Lizzie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So she's sitting there in the car. He's explaining to her that they're going to have to like, either he's going to have to go walk for gas mm-hmm. or they're going to have to wait for a car mm-hmm. to come along. And she looks up at him and his eyes at this point appear to be violet 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 add that into the mix yeah. scary elizabeth taylor beneath also those also looks like vivian lee perhaps barney oh, looks like elizabeth taylor <laughs> vivian lee okay yeah. new information coming in okay yeah uh and realizes she's in love with him yeah that's her moment of of realizing that she yeah. for the first time Loves someone, yeah. Because as horrible as it is, she doesn't love. He doesn't love her family, and she says that the party in the car. She's like, I didn't even love my mother. Isn't that terrible? And he's like, pretty terrible for her. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think this is like a really huge moment. This is a wonderful moment, and this is one of the reasons that why I would give this book to anybody to read <laughs> because it talks about a love that she feels, but she feels no compulsion to have it returned like that's not what it's about yeah she's not like i'm in love with him i need him to be in love with me she's just like i have now she talks about joining a sisterhood of women who have loved which is beautiful it's so powerful and she doesn't need him to love her back and i would just like to say that's the power of love I also think that even though I think it's just as challenging in these times, it's also significant for that time period because so many women married young, Mm -hmm. married like the, you know, the first guy who really came around and proposed like because they needed to get security, um, security. So there was a lot of loveless, loveless times, or even if people felt it. Then they would realize, like, oh, that was just hormones. Right. And, like, yeah. Yeah. And, like, a year in would be like, oh, wait. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, no, this this spark has died and you're dumb as a post. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, There was a lot of. And incidentally, the book that we'll be doing later on in this season, uh, I Capture the Castle, has uh, a plot line where a woman 
who's just desperately trying to escape poverty through marriage. And she's like, I don't care if I love him or not. Yeah. And there was a lot of that happening. There was a lot. Yeah. Which is, I think, kind of where, like, the, you know, the gold digger thing came mm-hmm. out of and whatever, mm-hmm. like... There was a real judgment on women who did this, mm-hmm. but everyone knew that you had to do it. You just had to pretend yeah. you were in love. Yeah. More so, I think, around this era. Like, I think back in, like, the Jane Austen time, it was just accepted, like, okay, you're... That you weren't in love. Yeah. You just made a good match, quote unquote. Yeah. That was what you were in love with. Yeah. You are in love with your good match. You were in love with your good match. It's like buying a pair of shoes. Mm. <laughs> Not really. I was just thinking about some of the good shoes I've bought. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Uh, Okay, so move on. Ooh, ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. Well, Cousin Stickles. Cousin Stickles. Cousin Stickles. What's the worst name? What is it? A stickle? It's not anything, but it really gives you the picture of this woman it really does but like is that her because she was married yes it's her so, married name it's her married name but she like why wouldn't she just want to be like cousin beth if her like, name was christine why not go as cousin christine why cousin stickles because she wanted people to remember that though she had a situation <laughs> <laughs> she had a situation she had a flat dumpy nose there was with a more with a mole on the end of it oh that's a bad look um, and a and a very wobbly neck we're told wobbly wobbly neck, neck. so I would like to say that she, I think that these are very ungenerous descriptions they are and I'm sure that Cousin Stickles would not appreciate them if she had been a real person. Yeah. I think also there was other, <laughs> just to pick on her person for a sec, <laughs> Valency dreads rubbing the liniment in, onto her back. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I think perhaps the state of her back has something <laughs> oh. to do with her. But let's also say in... Our defense, and in Ellen Montgomery's defense, and indeed in Valency's defense, that Cousin Stickles is also described as peevish and petulant, and she's not a nice woman. Well, this is the thing. This book, again, trades in fairy tales. She's yes. not a nice woman, and thus her outside, she literally has, like, a wart on the front of her nose. Like, she's right. she's a little bit of a witch character. She is a little bit of a witch character. Um, However, there are characters who are also not nice who do outwardly appear nice, like Cousin Olive. Well, but that's also, I think, very fairy tale-ish because there's right. often like a beautiful foil, like right for that that the protagonist has to overcome. Right, she does have to overcome Olive. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's Olive. There's Olive, which is yeah. Um, not, yeah. t- not terrible. Not but a terrible name. Interesting, I think, for the time. Was it? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I feel like it. F- I don't know anyone who's named Olive. I've never met an Olive. I think it's coming back. I think there's a lot of small children named Olive. Oh, okay. I think it was an older name. It's interesting to, for me to read now. It may have been very right. normal then. It's just like, interesting the because of like, there's like the Olive that you eat. And the Olive Branch. Which oh. is has the olive had, on it. I hadn't even thought about the <laughs> olive branch. Olive in this book does, certainly does not extend the olive branch. But let's get back to names. Yeah. So there is um, also... Uh, I just let's I just, just, let's do just a, Can I do a little... A drum roll? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Barney, Barney Snaith. Snaith. Woo! 
That's a bad one. That's a bad name. <laughs> that's a bad, bad name. I'm so sorry if that's your name. <laughs> I'm too. so sorry if you're a Barney. Oh, well, because I, you know, I don't know. Like it's one of the because of the things we grew up in the age of the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. Barney is not a great name. His last name should be Rubble, which is maybe arguably even better than Snaith. Yeah, because Snaith kind of sounds like a lazy snake, <laughs> <laughs> like a combination of a snake and a sloth. Yeah. Like a portmanteau. Snaith. Like also Snaith. kind of like a like a thief. Like the mm. thuff. You know, there's thuff. the thuff. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in that name. Yes. And it is just terrible. But what do we find out? He has chosen this name for himself. Yeah. This is a pseudonym. Well, this is him retreating in from life and putting up barriers to life trying to get to him. But let's just say, okay. I don't want to cast aspersions on Barney's intelligence, but Mm. his given name was Bernard Redfern and his mother's maiden name, if his father is to be believed. I think he (laughs) he lied. (laughs) Well, so he says his mother's maiden name was Snape. Mm -hmm. So he's gone from Bernard to Barney and then taken his mother's maiden name. You're not hiding very well, my friend. He hid well enough. Well, only because his father is oblivious. Yeah. His his father is the Doc Redfern of my honorable mention, in case you didn't know that. They've um, read the book. You've read the book. Of course, you know this. Yeah, Barney, it's just really hard to think of... Especially with the eyebrows. Like, uh, <laughs> the violet eyes. The violet eyes. I don't mind the idea of violet eyes. Oh, I no, think that's, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's just yeah. not There's very a overall, probable in Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so Barney's not a great name. No. Valency. Ooh, such a good name. But before we leave Barney, I just want to okay. say there's a page bookmarked in my book where someone's Ooh. like, the very idea of a man named Snaith. Yeah. So like even the beginning. The name itself is enough to condemn him. Right. I feel you're it. You're not I wrong. I feel it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah That's Cousin Sarah. Cousin Sarah, whoever you are, you're not very memorable, but yeah. you're not wrong. Cousin Georgiana says she would not like to meet him in a dark lane. <laughs> <laughs> well... But, okay. Well, you don't really want to meet anyone in Dark Lane. No, you just want to pass through it solo and go home. Uh, Other notable names, Roaring Abel. Roaring Abel. I like that he's just got Roaring attached to his name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sissy. Sissy. Uh, Well, Cecily is her full name, which is quite pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sissy, I don't think in our, through our modern lens, (laughs) can be a pejorative Term. Yeah, which actually for me lent a certain connotation to the character because mm. Sissy tragically fades out of life and dies. Right. A little bit of like a Sissy in life because she kind of had a tragedy. Are you calling Sissy a Sissy right now? <laughs> but I don't think that's a word we should be. No, I just, I had that association, I would right. say. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Sissy was a sissy, but I would say that there was this association and when you hear mm-hmm. her life story, yes. you're like, oh. Yeah. She's yeah. a very like gentle kind of like. Yeah. Someone who would have been bullied with the mm-hmm. name Sissy. Yes. And in kind of is, has been, but she has with been bullied. different words. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, who else? Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's go back to Valency because. Oh, yeah. 
Valency is a great name, and I encourage any pregnant listeners to consider naming your unborn child Valency. There, I've said it. Um, So Valency is not a name I have ever heard anywhere else. No. Um, We had a little bit of debate over how it was pronounced. Yeah, because when I first read the book, I just in my head said Valancy. Valancy. Because I think I read Valance, but there was the Y, and Mm -hmm. I was like, Valancy. Mm -hmm. And you were horrified. Yeah. Shockingly, we also gave, you also gave the book to another friend who also in her head came up with Valancy. I was still horrified. You were still horrified. (laughs) We Googled it. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of information out there. One person who Mm -hmm. actually also cited something you cited said that they pronounced it Valancy. No, Valancy. Oh, God damn. I know you get confused (laughs) when you start saying them both, but Valancy is what the internet confirmed when this one woman's post. The internet (laughs) confirmed with this one woman's post. (laughs) I read this book as a child. I have read it multiple times in my life because it's mm-hmm. great. And I have always said balancey in my head. And then a few years ago, I happened upon a little exhibition in a little tiny church about early Canadian writers in this specific area, which is Lakefield, Ontario. And one of them was called Isabella Valency Crawford. And she was a contemporary of Ella Montgomery. She wrote some very, um, not, I'm going to say, sorry, Isabella Valency Crawford, not as high quality as Ella Montgomery, but um, she made her mark on Canadian literary history a little bit. She's not super well known today, but um, I wondered if Ella Montgomery had come across her, especially given that um, Isabella Valency Crawford was from Lakefield, Ontario, which is very close to the Muskokas as well. And if Ella Montgomery had named this character after her. Interestingly, I also recently learned that in the first draft of The Blue Castle, Valancy was named Miranda. What? Right? Miranda. 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 So quite a different feel to that. Miranda. I just can't stop saying it. I know. I don't mind Miranda. No. Not as uncommon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I wondered if she had been working on the draft and then had discovered Isabella Valancy Crawford, made the link in location and geography to Muskoka, and decided to rename her character. This is pure speculation. Of course. I don't know this for sure, but it is a very unusual name. It is a very unusual name, and we happen to know that Ella Montgomery, well, we don't know that pure speculation. More speculation. She either likes a real plain name, mm-hmm. like Anne mm-hmm. or Emily, mm-hmm. or the woman likes to go big. She likes to go big. She likes to go Kill big. Kill many. Kill many. Valancy. Kill many of the orchard. Valancy. Yep. Anne actually wants to be known as... Cordelia. Cordelia. There's, yep. there's a little bit of a name thing there. There is. There's a whole family in Jane of Lantern Hill who are very poor, and the mother says that like she couldn't afford anything for her children, so she gave them very fancy names. So one of them is named like Caraway Snowbeam. Caraway Snowbeam. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Ellen Montgomery has a thing about names yep. and also has a thing about mothers giving their children names mm-hmm. and women taking on mm-hmm. names that mm-hmm. are more this. So I feel like she even could have just heard of this woman and been like, that is a name. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. ah, it is yeah. a name. So yeah. consider it, all you pregnant ladies. Yeah. Good one. Anyway. Moving on. Um, Anybody else with a great name? Oh, I can't believe we didn't mention this. Doss. 
Oh. Her family calls her Doss. Yeah, what is that? It's terrible is what it is. And I think that they do it because Valency being unusual, slightly outlandish, quite um, fancy. Yeah, they don't like the name. It came from a grandfather. Mm-hmm. and An eccentric grandfather. And then they gave her like Jane as a middle name to right. like ground it. She yes. hates that. I actually don't mind Valency Jane because it kind of sounds like Calamity Jane. Mm, kind of does. But yeah. I don't know if that's her time. Perhaps right. if that had happened already. Right. Maybe it had. It was a Western. I don't I, know. But I maybe really she wouldn't know. have known. Yeah. She, Information. She, she didn't travel. She didn't have the internet to Google. She didn't. She couldn't Google <laughs> anything. Um, but yeah, so they get around the whole problem of her name by calling her DOS. Yeah. And we don't know why. No, it's just like a terrible word that they've attached and to She's her. repeatedly asked them not to. Yeah, and they just ignore her. And they won't. Yeah. Yeah. Doss. Doss. So bad. Such a bad name. Okay. All and right. That's all of her names. Ooh, themes discuss. Oh, no. Themes. I'm not prepared for this. Well, I think that you already actually talked about themes when we were talking about literally devices, because you mm. talked about the nature. The nature. Oh, and... Oh, the, we would have to say that I would say appearances yes. were a huge thing because there is Valancy. Um, when we first meet Valancy, she's in very unattractive mm-hmm. clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's has forced to wear an out of style pompadour mm-hmm. by one of her aunts who has decreed that that is the only thing that mm-hmm. Valancy can wear. Like who, who just says to you, by the way, the only way you can do your hair is in a pompadour. No, I think it's more like, Valency. <laughs> <laughs> I do declare that that hairstyle is the only becoming choice. And furthermore. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think that's how that's done. Okay. Yeah. Well, good to know. Learn yeah. something about this. You want to do that to someone in the future. <laughs> okay. Your husband, you're like, ahem. Yeah. Anyways, I... And so part of her journey as a person is also claiming herself as 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 a more attractive version of herself. Right. Like feeling herself from the outside as well. Because she right. and there's this transformation that she goes under mm-hmm. to which she takes off several years off of herself. She takes off hair. <laughs> oh sorry, sorry, who takes off hair? Uh, Barney takes her hair off. Barney. So what does she do? <laughs> Barney morphs into a hairstylist as soon as she gets onto the, his island. Yep. He shingles her hair. Shingles. He brings it down in a fringe across her forehead. It's quite becoming. It gives meaning to her face. Yeah. Let's just... What? <laughs> because... <laughs> All right. Hands up, ladies. How many of us have cut our own bangs and live to regret it. <laughs> yes. I mean, again, yeah. it's an audio medium. You yeah. can't see us raising our hands. But, but you can all do it with us. Yeah. So I don't know how Barney has accomplished this situation. He's like not only trimmed her hair, he's given her like a whole new style. Yeah. I feel like that is a skill set that like a man living in a, the woods would not have. But he's... He's... He's only pretending to really be a man living in the woods. Well, he's literally he was a man up, living in the woods. He is, but he was also brought up in Montreal, which so, is the fashion capital of Canada. Was it in 1922? I think it must have been. I, well, that must be where he learned it. Yeah. Let's just assume he had a good friend who's a hairstylist. Was a good friend who's a 
<laughs> and he learned some tricks of the trade. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain yeah. it. But I mean, there's the noted, um, you know, transformation of her dressing, mm-hmm. the green dress. It yes. shows off certain things. And then she goes and buys herself nice dresses. And there's one that <gasps> he starts blue. calling her moonlight after she wears it. It's like a silvery blue chiffon. Chiff- on? Yeah, Shafon. that she wears only in the evening. Okay, this is the situation here. <laughs> like, we just put on sweatpants in the evening. I go home and I change into my house clothes. Yeah. I have cats. Like, I don't yeah. want them to get... And I have a, do- a toddler. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, but even before that, even as a teenager, I would go home and I would immediately take off my tight mm-hmm. jeans mm-hmm. and I would put on sweatpants. Mm-hmm. The fact that she changes into, like, a elegant dress that makes her garners her the name moonlight is just amazing it is amazing it is amazing get on your balance yeah she gets a swimming costume like there's this whole wardrobe change Mm -hmm. i can't wait for this scene in a movie i know um you can see it in your head and it but it means something to her more Mm -hmm. than just clothes yeah it is like claiming who she really is and having her outside reflect that Mm -hmm. to the point where like uncle benjamin bumps into her on the street Mm -hmm. and doesn't even recognize like the beautiful woman who's like eyes are sparkling at him to the point that at some point at the boat launch she bumps into alan tierney yes the painter who is a painter famous for painting beautiful women Mm -hmm. and then he wants to paint her yeah yeah she's really transformed yeah um yeah and part of it is of course, having money to buy these things because before mm-hmm. she had nothing. Yeah. Um, but also a lot of it has to do with her happiness. Her happiness. Like she's really, she's, she, yeah, she's, I think there's, there's two things. Cause they often talk about like in sickness, if people do a little bit more when they look in the mirror, like mm-hmm. that actually can make them a little happier because what they see on the outside, then they try to reflect that. Like there's a beaming back and forth of like those kinds mm-hmm. of emotions. So her inside happiness shows in her appearance and then her appearance, she's like way happier, but seeing what she looks like, mm-hmm. actually it's like a reflecting yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. for Barney too, like he, when she first meets him, he's always like dirty and unshaven. Mm-hmm. And then after they get married, he's always got clean overalls. He's always shaved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he goes undergoes a smaller transformation, but still something of a physical transformation. Yeah. Are there any cats in the book? No, there are. There are two great cats in the book. There's Banjo and Good Luck. Yay! Yay. Great names. Great names. Great names. We didn't shout them out because we wanted to leave them for Mm -hmm. this section, but great names. Yeah. Yeah. And Banjo is a big old cat. And I think they're both striped because Barney says he does not care a hang about any cat who doesn't have stripes, which I think is a bit extreme. It's a completely extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but good luck is uh, so lovable that he amounts to an obsession, is how they describe him. And he was named after one of Ella Montgomery's cats. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. A little striped cat. And I think we both know what it is to have a cat that you're obsessed with. Yeah. Indeed. There are cats that you love, mm-hmm. and then there are cats that are just like so adorable and so cute that you mm-hmm. just can't help but be a little, little bit more attached to them. And yeah. I love that there's that kind of distinction there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the reasons why she um, likes Barney in the first place is because they're like, he's, they say they has, he has all these cats on the island of his. And she's like, oh, 
Really? Turns yeah. out he only has two, but everyone else is always like, boo, cats. And she's I know. Like, her mother is like, anyone who wants a cat is the devil. Yeah. Because yeah. she's previously asked for a cat and been shut down. Shut down. Yeah. yeah. So the cats are a big draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a marker of Barney is a good person. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Next round. Woo-hoo-hoo. Okay, I get to now dive into our bowl of sex euphemisms to ask, in this book, does anyone play Nug-a-Nug? Ew. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to shout out to a Bustle article online where I got a lot of historical sex euphemisms that we're going to be using continuously. This this episode's is play Nug-a-Nug. Does anyone play Nug-a-Nug in this book? Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So this is an ongoing discussion because there has now been new New opinions opinions. come to light. Yeah. Uh, Noted opinions. Noted opinions. Noted opinions. Why don't you go ahead and give your opinion? Okay. So I totally thought... Well, no. Okay. So I I don't know if I thought they were getting it on, Mm -hmm. but I definitely thought there was a large probability that they were. <laughs> a large probability. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, because there are two people. She's becoming more attractive by the day. <laughs> <laughs> He's shaving regularly. He's shaving regularly. Is it just his face? They're <laughs> sharing a bed. Like, they are married. Yes. She talks about, like, she when she goes to tell her family, she's like, Oh, is it wrong to feel my husband's arms around me? And um, she talks about his kisses and stuff. I just, I, I, I put the logistics together and I was like, oh, you know. Sherlock Holmes did. <laughs> A man waking up in the morning in the bed with his wife. There are oh. certain things happening here. Like, <laughs> but, but there are many things that are actually physical that happen to women that are not mentioned in the book. Like we never mm-hmm. hear about Valancey's period. It's no. not that kind of book. No. So I get that we're never going to hear that nitty gritty or whatever, <laughs> but I was like, they're married. Like perhaps definitely some heavy petting from time to time because she's mm-hmm. in love with him and he's told her that and she's feeding him all these great moods and he's looking at her in this dress and calling her moonlight really like the flirtation. Then they, what they go put their pajamas on her like, Good night. Did you say she's feeding him all these great moods? Foods. Oh, foods. <laughs> I was like, how do you feed someone a mood? You feed them food. Okay. Yeah, that would do it. Um, okay. So yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. He also, the first thing he does when they, after their marriage ceremony and they row over to the island, the first thing he does is lift her out of the boat and kiss her. Uh-huh. So I definitely... Sets the tone. <laughs> I definitely see where you're coming from. On to play devil's advocate... I would like to point out that they both think she's going to die in less than a year. Mm. So either they're doing some real stringent pull out and pray method. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Like what is, what is that about? Pregnancy prevention. You definitely think hope that if they're doing it, they're also doing that. Yes. Which is why I come back to heavy petting. You think that they're doing heavy petting. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm glad we got that So I had he always... He is shaving. He is shaving, yes. I had always sort of thought that 
as the year progressed, mm-hmm. their, their physical attraction um, intensified. Right. Culminating in the end where Valancy finds out she is not in fact dying and they can then live happily ever after. And that would be the moment of like physical passion was how I... Of course, I, oh, I also began reading this book as a child. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I do have a little bit of a weakness for the ust, <laughs> the unresolved sexual tension, which I think yeah. enhances a story. Yeah. But I would like to say that re- very, very recently I've acquired this book called Harvesting Thistles, The Textual Garden of Ella Montgomery, which is essays on her novels and journals edited by Mary Henley Rubio, who is a scholar who has really done a lot of work on Ella Montgomery. So there is an essay in this book by a woman named Gabriella Amundsen. I apologize, I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. There is an accent on the A that I'm not familiar with. Um, And she... So, okay, this is really interesting because she talks about, she calls it textual slash sexual space in the Blue Castle, Valancy Sterling's room of her own. And she talks about privacy. She talks about the um, fact that Valancy is not permitted privacy in her family home. Mm. She's not allowed to be alone in her room for any period of time. Um, And she goes into the descriptions of the room, her bedroom in her home, which include ugly, faded, narrow, pinched, spotted, old, inadequate, stiff, grim, and forlorn. She says they are adjectives used to describe the room and its contents, but they could very well serve as a description of Valancy herself and her situation. Hmm. So then, right, so she's talking about this sort of like jail that Valancy is, is in, um, both in terms of her room and in terms of her body. Mm. And so she, um, her thesis is basically that she lusts after men in her fantasies of the Blue Castle. Okay. Which she does. She does. She is in a state of sexual frustration, mm. which, um, you know, it's not, it's not healthy. No. Um, and that when she proposes marriage to Barney, she's basically proposing to him that she wants to have sex with him. And yeah, I don't know. I think that that's... I don't know. She does, when she proposes marriage, tell him that she's in love with him. So it's not just sex. No, it's not just sex. Um, I guess I just think that they could be doing it because, like, they talk about, like, you know, they boat over at some point and go to, like, a fancy ball and, like, dance with each other all night. And it's clear, like, they they never want to go again. They liked it, but they never want to go again. And they were just in their own worlds. Like, they're having... They go on all these trips in the forest and he teaches her all these things and he teaches her to swim. Like, he is spending so much time with her like they are having a romance and mm. like they are spending a lot of time like in bodily contact like mm-hmm. that's how you teach someone to swim and she's in a swimming suit and like then dancing and everything like that and like the dressing i guess i just think that like really what blossoms 
is the love. Yeah. Cause she's not, I feel like she's not sure that he's actually, I think that she doesn't think that he's in love with her. I, that's, yeah, that's the other point that I felt was, um, she goes, she has moments of the entire book where she's like, he said he will say something or do something and she'll have a moment where she'll be like, Oh, he actually does like me. Mm-hmm. He actually does care about me. Yeah. Which I feel is more of a yeah, more of a development of their relationship as a whole. Yeah. And I think I don't know, I definitely can see it from both sides. I can see I that, see it from yeah. both sides, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This is still inconclusive for me. I, but I, yeah. I, I like it that it's inconclusive. I mm-hmm. like that someone could look at it with really innocent eyes Mm -hmm. and perhaps that's actually how lucy bond wanted it Mm. because she knew that the rest of her like her following was for children's books right so she kind of slipped in these other things who's like because actually i wonder so when she wrote this book what Mm -hmm. what in the sequence was it was Anne already out oh yeah okay so this was quite a while later Mm -hmm. so perhaps this was for the girls who'd grown up reading Anne, who had maybe not had the love mm. or the resolution. They never had the Gilbert. Yeah, they never had their Gilbert. And so this was another book that is like, mm. it could still come. Right. But also here's a little bit of titillation a little to bit get of titillation. you through the night. Yeah, like, like it is very yeah. much like... Um, it does open itself up for a lot of speculation. Yeah. And it's funny because when, when you're like, it doesn't, we don't hear a lot of physical details of Valency's life. It's not that kind of book. Yeah. I was about to say, that's what fan fiction is for. <laughs> but like it really, like you could really, I don't know if there is any fan fiction about this book, but. You could take it there. You could take it there. And yeah. you could take it in any direction you want to because it is, it, it is just. Well, even their romance, like it's really described. There's there's some scenes where you're in it with them, but then mm-hmm. there's also just like this wonderful description of them kind of like just living this year out that mm-hmm. you kind of go in and out mm-hmm. of it into these moments. But then there's just descriptions of they they teach swimming. We we never actually you know experience that scene right where like yeah barney and her putting on bathing suits her right. meeting you at the lake nervous oh yes it touched me oh this is the least right. amount of clothing right. i've ever worn we never get that no so like that moment yeah in fan fiction or in yeah. a movie could really be turned into yes. a whole like it's the dirty dancing the lift in the water <laughs> like you know Anyways. Yeah. 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 So no, you could do true. a lot with it. But I like that it's open-ended. And I think it's totally valid to see it from both ways. Mm-hmm. I think that the first time, and even the second time I read it, I really didn't care if they were getting it on. Yeah. It's, that's also a good point. Yeah. It's side note to the beauty of the romance. Yeah. and But I think that's also an important message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sex is not everything. Sex is not everything. That's a sh- t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. All right, let's move on. Whoa there. Problematic things in the book. Okay. There are a couple. Yeah, we've skated over some of those. We've mm-hmm. side we've side skated, but let's get into them now. Okay, I think the main one for me is the part about Alan Tierney, the mm. painter, the portrait painter of beautiful women when he decides that he wants to paint Balancey. First of all, does he ask Balancey? No. No, he does not. He asks her husband, the man. Yes. And Barney says, does he say yes? No. No, Barney says no. 
Because Barney is currently at this point masquerading as a poor man and is like, of course I couldn't buy it, even though he could buy it. That is a good point. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. But instead, he's like, of course I couldn't afford to buy it. And it would go in a museum and all these men would be looking at you and I can't have that. Yeah. That's actually that a really great bullshit. sign that Barney has not processed his feelings mm-hmm. because... She's going to be dead soon. She's going to be. <laughs> oh, my God. I never thought about that part. He could get oh. the pigeon after and she would never know he was rich. God. Also, like, she's going to be dead soon and he yes. will not let her be immortalized. Yes. I'm quite put out. Yeah. 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 So selfish. So selfish. So selfish. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so mad right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's a super problematic. Yeah. Problematic. The possession there. Yeah. Like he's really just thinking of her as uh, an object. Well, because I think what has happened is that Valency has blossomed. Yep. Just in front of him. Because he has her on this island. She's barely in contact with anyone else other than cousin Georgiana. She puts on clothes that only he sees. And she spends most of her time alone with him in the forest. And so he discovers that he has married an incredibly witty, Mm -hmm. smart, charming, great cook, like who looks great in a bathing suit and (laughs) with a shingled haircut. Right. (laughs) And he's like, hot damn, I'm keeping this to myself. Yeah. Hang it all. But do you think, do you think that Barney's even thinking of it or in the moment that the man is come to him, he's like, Oh, what is that thing that they have? A knee jerk, like oh. masculine reaction. Where you're like, the thing that, that they have. <laughs> the thing is mine. Oh, no, yeah. you shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that that part in the Lord of the Rings is actually Gandalf having a knee jerk masculine reaction? <laughs> so, no, I just want to read the exact quote because I have it here. All right. I told him I didn't want my wife painted, hung up in a salon for the mob to stare at, belonging to another man. (laughs) But it was excellent. It did work. Hold on. Yeah. Also, Boo, Valency's reaction of like, Oh, but honey, I didn't know you cared. Right. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, but understandable in the context of all things, because we know that she's just looking for reasons to believe Mm -hmm. that Barney Mm -hmm. wants her Mm -hmm. so that she's like, oh, okay. Like this is a good sign, which is so problematic for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And still happens to this day. It does. Yeah. Okay, anything right. else problematic? The domesticity. Yeah, the yeah. really gendered. Yeah, because though Valency, you know, shakes off her family, is like, I'm out of here, I'm yep. getting married, I'm maybe getting it on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm maybe dying. I'm maybe. You can do nothing to me. But I am still going to clean the hell out of this cabin. Yeah, so she like, can't help herself. Yeah. That it things, dirty things hurt her. Dirty things hurt her. Yeah. That is, that's that's some therapy that you need right there. It is. I might need yeah. it too, though. I, I know. Need... Actually, no, like, but like we don't because this is still the society that we are growing up in today. Yeah. And yeah. so if I was, you know, going to 
suggest that people give this book. Like, this is a conversation worth having because if you yeah. read Lucy Montgomery's books, all of the ones that I have read, mm -hmm. all of those girls mm -hmm. are imaginative and different and amazing, and they all can clean the hell of a house. It's right. a point of pride. This is for the time period. It is, but it's also really interesting because there was another essay in this Harvesting Thistles book about that value uh, of doing your own work, yeah. which at the time was not being written about very much. Mm. So you see like lots of women, particularly in English books, who don't ever do domestic labor because that's not like what a gentlewoman does. Right. Whereas there was very much a value in these communities to do your own work. Right. So that is something positive, I think, about yeah. it. But it is problematic that it's entirely feminized and yes. naturalized to be like the woman's role. Yes. And that these books would have been read by so many young girls. Yes who would then have internalized yeah. that be as free, as flighty as you want to be, aspire to be a writer, yeah. but make sure that you can clean the heck out of your household. Yeah. But this is still a problem we have today because mm -hmm. I love me a clean house. Oh, I know. Me I too. do. I mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. If only so. a man would come and clean it for us. Oh, then we just have to clean it after them. <laughs> <laughs> Until they're taught better. Right. Because it's obviously cleaning is not, it's not a secret. It's not magic. No. It is just skill and knowledge and the training that we as women receive from a very young age. Hey guys, it's just skill and knowledge and training. And men don't <laughs> receive it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one other little thing I would like to throw out there for some... Uh, Whoa there! Is that there is a little bit of a derogatory comment about Indigenous people where he, Uncle uh, Benjamin's like, no doubt they're living in a wigwam up there. Uh, Which is, again, uh, just meh. Well, as noted, Uncle Benjamin is a great character, but not a good person. Exactly. All right, let's move on. Is it me? I think it's, I think it's me. No, maybe it's you. I don't know. I'm oh, yeah. doing it. I'm doing it! Feminism 101. Would you give this book to your daughter? I have been skirting around this topic all evening. Yeah, I feel like we've covered a lot of it. We've covered a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's wonderful to give to uh, my daughter. Mm -hmm. I would also very much encourage a son to read it. Mm -hmm. And then I just would want to see, well, I mean, if they read it and they're just like, mm -hmm, and throw it backwards, I'd be like, oh, I failed. <laughs> hmm. And then I'd be like, read it again. <laughs> this is really showing, revealing some aspects of your parenting. <laughs> I just, I, 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 uh, I love books. I really, really hope that my children grow up to love books as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And books that have such beautiful descriptions of nature. Mm -hmm. um, I would just hope that they would read those. And I would just hope that the rest of that, their, what was surrounding them was some conversations mm -hmm. about those kinds of things. Yeah. And just being aware of the fact that um, I often try to tell my daughter when I'm cleaning the house that it is my job. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> well, yeah. 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 Um, to try and like a little bit walk back from that because I know mm-hmm. I'm still cleaning the heck out of that house in front of her and she yeah. is watching that happen. Yeah. And I would want to talk about how that doesn't always need to be the case. Yeah. Or, you know, really in my opinion, it would just be good if everybody cleaned. Everyone should, <laughs> that's the moral of this book. Everyone yeah. should clean. Everyone should clean. But yeah, no, we've, cause we've talked about the, the domesticity and the, mm. that type of thing. We've talked about the bit about like the love and like the unconditional Ooh, love the and unconditional not requiring yeah. the reciprocity of the love, which is yeah. really like powerful. Yeah. Um, and there's also like a really beautiful female friendship in this book between Valency and Sissy. Right. Which is really wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there is also the comment about how society treats Sissy. Yeah. 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 So Sissy is an unwed mother mm-hmm. whose baby died. Yeah, I can't even imagine. So sad. Um, And then Sissy, unfortunately, herself dies, Mm -hmm. not because of the baby, though that has not helped. Several years later, yeah. Yeah. Um, And we discover at some point in her story that Sissy actually had the opportunity to marry the man who impregnated her, fathered her child, fathered her child. I was like, impregnated sounds so (laughs) clinical. Uh, And she was having a love affair with him. Mm -hmm. It ended. Uh, He comes back to propose and she's like, he's not in love with me. Well, he doesn't come back to propose. He comes out and finds that she's pregnant and then proposes. Right. And she's like, oh, he's not in love with me. I can Mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. And so she doesn't. She has the baby, has what she says is a wonderful year of life when Mm -hmm. she has the baby. Um. And she knows that everyone thinks all these horrible things, but she's yeah. never she's never spoken publicly about what's happened. Yeah. But like she chose it, like she mm-hmm. chose she she knew that she would be shunned. Yeah, and she didn't want to live that lie. Yeah, and just have someone marry her just because, mm-hmm. which I think is such a wonderful brave choice. I think the fact that she gets killed off as the unmarried mother is a little bit. It is a little bit problematic, problematic especially yeah. because when this book was written, like religion was mm-hmm. still pretty heavy out there. So mm-hmm. a lot of young women reading this would have been like, that's God's judgment. Right. Um, which I think is problematic, but I do I mean, like, a lot of the characters in the book say that. Yeah. 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 But Valency is shown as a counterpoint. She's mm-hmm. like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Like this is a wonderful, decent human being mm-hmm. and I'm going to support her in the last months of her life and I'm going to mm-hmm. give her the best funeral and I'm going to listen to her without judgment yeah. and support her. Yeah. And they form a yeah. really like close friendship yeah. and yeah, it's really beautiful. It's and beautiful. She also like uses the opportunity to call out the community and its hypocrisy. Yes. And yeah. So yeah. that's a really, yeah, that's a really intense storyline. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure why I'm on the show. <laughs> And so for our Books with Brad segment, oh, Brad. in which we tell you what Brad Pitt character most resembles this book. Yes. This is a tribute to Alicia's undying love of Brad Pitt. Come on, you love him too. I love him too. Yes. I'm just not as familiar with his filmography. Honestly, it's really revealed that I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, for this one. Upon great reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start this one over again. 
All right. If this book were a Brad Pitt character, which one would it be? So upon great reflection, or very little reflection, actually, I chose Brad Pitt's character, Tristan, from Legends of the Fall. Mm. Because Tristan went off, lived his own life, kind of um, skewed his family. At least that was my recollection. Right. When we went to record this, I Googled it Mm. and I was like, oh, there's a whole bear thing that's happening, Mm. like multiple bear attacks. There's a Mm -hmm. heart cutting out situation. Yeah, that's not. No, it's not reflective of this book at all. No. No. Also, I'd like to point out that Brepa has long flowing locks in this movie. And Valency is notable for cutting her hair off. Uh, I mean, not that we're directly equating Tristan to Valency. This is more like in a general sense. I was more saying Tristan was Barney. Oh. But like if the book is a whole, like the energy of the book is a whole. This isn't the one, but that's (laughs) (laughs) why. So that's our conclusion. Yeah. So it's definitely not Legends of the Fall. (laughs) I'll get back to you once I've continued to watch his movies. Okay. It'll be a mini-sode. It'll be a mini-sode. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, and we're done. That's all the prompts. That's all the prompts. So thank you so much for... No, no, no. no. We have a final segment. Oh, my God. We do. (laughs) Now time for our final segment, judging the book by its cover. Do you want to start or should I start? All right. So we have several covers of Blue Castle. Looking, Googling it, Mm -hmm. there is one cover that we both quite like. Yes. It's an old one. Hard to find. Hard to find as are they all the book covers that I like. Yeah. Hard to find. There is actually an artist who has done some contemporary illustrations from the book that I quite like. Her name is Masako Kubo. Um, She's based in New Zealand and we can um, link to her website in our show notes. She actually contacted her and she very kindly put up a special link for our podcast listeners to go check out her her illustrations, which, yeah, I really like. Yeah, they're super beautiful, very simple and capture Mm -hmm. a few different moments from the book Mm -hmm. and... Oh, yeah, I just kind of evoke that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that it's it was um, she's just a fan of the book. Like, I don't think they were commissioned or anything. I think on her website it says it's a personal project. So she... yeah, and they're just more in the spirit than some of the new illustrations for some of the other Ellen Montgomery books mm-hmm. that we're not particular fans of. So, and I also love what she like which scenes she chose to illustrate. Like, she's mm. got one of like Valancy and Barney running away from the dance, like climbing with the like silhouette of the window in the background, mm-hmm. and yeah. I like the winter scene. I like that mm-hmm. she just chose little stolen moments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah then trying to describe the whole thing in one picture yeah as some would do mm. yeah so i have an ella montgomery the blue castle that features a very beautiful valency with a very 70s ish <laughs> dress on with a very collegiate barney <laughs> behind her kind of in a <clears throat> It looks like an overgrown garden. Like they definitely look like they're hanging out in like someone's back garden. Can you describe why Barney looks collegiate? Oh yeah, he is a well, he's wearing a button down yes. with a sweater loosely tied about his shoulders <laughs> with and I swear, like he's he looks like he would just play football. Like he's mm-hmm. got like a very like standard good looking face with artfully tossed short hair. Oh, like he looks artfully tossed. Artfully tossed. It's a thing. Like a salad. Like a salad. 
good. Yeah, perhaps it's a few spritz of ferret faucet hairspray. Ooh, oh, could be. Could be. Anyways, and Valency is like this 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 illustration of this person is stunning. And not that Valency isn't stunning, but she's also does not have any of Valency's haircut. Like no long no. hair, short hair, what, long hair tied back. Okay, dark hair, but tied back. And what year is your edition from? My edition. Oh, it's from the. Let me just see here. So you tell us about yours. I will look. Okay, I feel like um, our two editions are from the same publishing company, so they are. From, yeah, the uh, font is the same. Yeah, they're Seal Books. I think I said at the beginning from McClellan Bantam Incorporated. My edition is from 1988. It's the same artist. You can tell it's the same artist. Ben Stahl is his name, according to the Insight. Oh, Ben Stahl. And mine has like a really apt foreground because it's very Muskoka-y. It's got lots of foliage. It's got like a fallen log across a river with like lots of blues and greens and reflection. The font of the Blue Castle is very like fantastical. Um, I think it's really appropriate until you get to Valency and Barney, who are balancing on said fallen log over the river, which seems unwise. She, they look about like in their mid forties. Yeah, he particularly looks old because he like, looks like he's he he looks like he's like oh god, if I fall <laughs> off this yeah. log, it's not going to be good for me. No, he's like, very, but he's very like upright and stiff, like in his posture. He's wearing like a mock neck, turtleneck. Sweater. It's very odd. And he looks like he's trying not to touch her. Yeah. And she looks like she's like grabbing him. Yeah. She's really grasping onto him, but she's looking away. It's very, yeah. I'm not a fan of the Valency and Barney, but they're tiny in this. They're like in the, in the background. So it's okay. It's this edition that I grew up with. So I'm very attached to it. Yeah, and yeah. then we have another edition. So this is a more recent edition. Yeah, that this is, is yours. one that says that Valency would be a Twitter superstar. Yeah, that's a, obviously a current quote. Yeah, it's so by Source Books, um, and yeah, it's got a a twenties style dress on Valency. And there's a couple things I like about this: the blue castle in the background. So there's the island with the house and the trees, and kind of if you squint your eyes a bit, the trees look like castle turrets. Um, Valency's holding a book in this one, which is quite out of character for her. Oh, I mean, she reads John Foster books. Oh, we've never mentioned John Foster. We never even mentioned John Foster. So just, you know, shout out to John Foster. Um, that's what my other theme was. It was fear. Oh, well, let's do it. Okay. Well, Valency, basically it's just, I'll do it in a nutshell. There's a theme running through this book of people facing their fears and Valency mm. is, in particular, inspired to be able to do this by reading the works of John Foster, who's a nature writer, who she loves. And he says that every evil in the world is a result of the fact that someone somewhere is afraid of something. Um, and so then she starts to stand up to her family and face her fears. And I think that's, um, that's a real core of this book. And then we also learn a little bit more about Barney, as we go along and there never there's never really an explicit discussion about Barney's fears but you can definitely see Barney's traumatic past and the things that have driven him to move away to this little cabin in the backwoods and hide himself away from the world mm. and to the point that he has never even been able to let people know who he truly is so it turns out oh he's John Foster and he writes these nature books under a pseudonym and 
oh, he's Bernard Redfern, who's the son of a millionaire. And he's just been so afraid of people rejecting who he truly is that he hides himself away. And it's not until Valency comes along and basically inspires him by facing her fears and then really shows that she has fallen in love with him for who he is, that he feels safe enough to do the same. My summary of the theme of fear in the book. Awesome. And really got away from describing this book cover, but I think that's okay. Yeah. 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 That's it. All right. Well. At the end, I'm going to do one last. Well, thanks to everyone for making it through our first episode. Mm-hmm. We have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram account. We have a Gmail. And a website even. And a website. Look at all the stuff that we've Look got. at all the stuff that we have. So you can follow us or contact us. Yep. If you found us here, you know what our information is. Yeah, you know how to find us. <laughs> You've Dang. already found us. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> yeah. So And um, thanks to Rob, our mm-hmm. sound engineer. And composer. And composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you have any book suggestions, if you know of another book with the word castle in it that you would highly recommend, we would love to know of it. Mm-hmm. Probably won't make it in the series. Well, no, but it might be like an extra an extra. An extra, an extra episode. A mini-sode. A one-off. Okay. Uh, and if you know of anyone with those eyebrows, please, please let me know. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. So thank you very much for listening. We don't have a good sign-off. No, but we will say our next episode oh, yeah. mm-hmm. is... Howl. Howl. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. We've recorded them so out of order. Our next episode is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. Go read it. And join us back here in two weeks. Bye. Bye.